0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 15th episode of Crime Over Wine, the only podcast with head-scratching true crime stories that are just better over a bottle of wine. I'm your host, Liam Collins, and this week, my guest co-host is another one of my former reporting rivals. He's a true journalist on the Carolina coast. My guest co-host this week is Trevor Donnell. Hello, Trevor. How are you doing?
1: How's it going, Liam? Doing very well over here. How's things out in Tennessee for you?
0: Oh, doing pretty good. I am. Um, I just, as I just mentioned to you just before, um, very congested. This is the <laughs> um, you know toward the end of winter in the south, which means that um, I can't breathe.
1: Um, pretty much at any point, <laughs> uh, my allergies are absolutely out of control. That's okay. I'm right there with you. I don't know what the weather's like there, but it has been yeah. 70s here, 30s at night. Mm-hmm. It hasn't hit me yet, but I swear it's going to soon. And when it does, it yeah. puts me down. I mean, it's absolutely awful. Yeah, I think we call that um, Fool's Spring in the South. Fault Spring, Second
0: Spring, something like that, yeah. maybe? Yeah, Second Spring, and then Third Winter. Third Winter, And third then, winter. you know, yes. at some point
1: we'll probably get, like, a weird snowstorm, and then it'll be a spring at some it point. Will. And March, it will. March March is when it snows. It'll it'll yeah. be Third Winter right. in March. Yeah.
0: We're getting there. Uh, so, Trevor and I first met when we were both working as reporters in Jacksonville, North Carolina, usually constantly trying to scoop the other, and to be fair, Trevor usually won that battle. Now, Trevor is an editor in new. Burn North Carolina, overseeing three newspapers on North Carolina's coast, the New Bern Sun Journal, the Kinston Free Press, and the Jacksonville Daily News, which you may recognize if you listen to episode six of this podcast about the Mariah Woods case, because we
1: cited a lot of reporting from that newspaper quite a bit. I know you've been following it a lot lately. I know we've talked about it, mm-hmm. you know, since um, since you've left as well. And, uh, and that I won't spill you know any wine or anything like that mm-hmm. in that, uh, in that <laughs> aspect. But there has been a resolution to that case, and I'm sure right. if, uh, if anybody doesn't know about it, certainly tune in. that sixth episode and find out more about it for sure. But yeah, it was a wild, wild story. Yeah. Sad story. Um, you know, I guess good ending, I suppose someone,
0: someone, you know, spoiler it was held accountable, I suppose. Um, but I mean, it's just, it was really tense. So if you have not listened to episode six, go back. It's a ride of an episode, um, so let's get over to our wine of the week. Trevor, what do you think? Let's do this.
1: I have not tried it yet. Have you tried it? Well, I usually like
0: to, um, because I, um, and a huge cork wine drinker guy, like, so I like to have that little, I like that little pop, um, yeah, uh-huh. of, like getting the cork opener. Yeah. You know, it just like really <laughs> sets the tone for the rest of the episode. You know what I mean, Trevor? I like it.
1: See, I know, I've, yeah. see I've, Now I've messed up and I already opened mine. <laughs> and I poured it. So, I mean, I have mine, you know, ready to go. Cheers to you. Thanks for coming on this week. Thank Cheers. You. Cheers. That is surprisingly smooth. Yeah. And smoother than I thought it was going to be. Wow. And a very
0: subtle, very subtle red. Um, So this week we are drinking Ménage à Trois' Red Blend from California. It's a blend of Zinfandel, Merlot, and Cabernet. So a pretty unique combination of grapes for a red blend. The Zinfandel brings flavors of blackberry and raspberry jam. The Merlot brings a generous mouth. And the Cabernet brings what it's known for, rich flavors and firm tannins. And I definitely feel the firm tannins for sure. I don't really get the rich flavors of the, of what a Cabernet t- you typically understand a Cabernet to be. Um, and typically when I think of like Cabernets Merlots, like I think of like very bold flavors. So I definitely feel like the Zin, it's very heavily on the Zinfandel in terms of the subtleness to it.
1: Wow. I mean, there, there is a lot of subtleness to it, but I mean, for it mm-hmm. still packs a punch. It still has some mm-hmm. really good flavor to it. Yeah. I get it a lot at the back of the mouth. Yeah. It's uh, I to say as it's go as it's going down my throat right now, yeah, it was, uh, I can still taste it. And it, it is a good, it's a strong taste. But what I was concerned mm-hmm. about with this one when you uh, when you showed it to me earlier was when I spoke to my wife and she said, you know what a red blend is. And I said, no. Nice. And she said it was uh, something that they get towards the end of the barrel or the end mm-hmm. of the, you know, things of that nature. They kind of all put it together. And I said, wow. I said, that's, I feel like that would just be mm-hmm. awful. Something that's sitting mm-hmm. there for for so long. And um, no, so smooth, surprisingly smooth. And I'm not a big red wine drinker. I'm not a very dry Mm -hmm. wine drinker guy. I like something sweet, you know, something Mm. a little uh, tangy, sparkling, things of that nature. But I would 100% drink this uh, with a Mm -hmm. steak or... You know, a red meat yeah. or something like that is very smooth. Very yeah, smooth. I can definitely see it going very well with, um,
0: with you know, those red meats. Um, that's typically what you kind of understand. I guess like a, you know, I guess is where the Merlot comes from. Yeah, um, those, those meaty flavors for sure. So I actually also did some research on blends because this is the very first blend that I'm drinking on this podcast. So according to NoWines.com, red blends typically bring two different varieties of wine together: soft meets firm, or light meets bold, etc. Making red blends is actually one of the most fiscally responsible forms of wine creation, kind of what you were just talking about, Trevor. And that's because when growing those grapes, losing some of a certain kind of grape may result in a lower amount of that kind of wine for a vineyard. But blending the grapes allows farmers to make the same amount of wine without wasting crop and while maintaining their bottom
1: line. So you've been learning a lot of stuff about wine. I've I've not known half of that myself. And again, (laughs) I'm just... I'm not a big wine drinker, and I'm not—I'll mm. be honest with you—I'm not that big of a drinker, really, at all. But if I do, I mean, I do drink wine, but I, I mean, I have my own, you know, certain uh, favorites and things of that nature. But
0: mm-hmm. that's
1: interesting how they were able to. I mean, like you say, you know, you don't—you don't, don't want to waste any, you know, you don't want to, you know, lose out on your bottom right. dollar and your bottom line either. But you know, that—that's just a smart business model of how can you, right. you know, take something that's left over or, th- or that you might throw out. And uh, and put yeah. together for good use. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely enjoying this
0: one for sure. I'm a huge Menage a Trois fan. Um, just in general, I really like their cabernets. So, what do you say we transition into a story this week, Trevor? I am so excited to tell you about
1: this. I think you're going to be absolutely blown away by this story. I'm ready for it. I've left it up to you as well. i as the wine, you know. I, I I'm saving my uh, my expressions and, and my uh, my notes here for <laughs> uh, for you, sir. So yes, please. All right. Fill me in. Let's
0: go for it. So this week, I want to tell you about a secret online enterprise that cost one man his life. The monetary desire for a bizarre but unique digital good that goes for thousands of dollars online led a group of people to prey on victims in a dangerous form of intimidation. This week, I'm going to tell you the story of Shane Sonderman, the serial swatter. April 27th, 2020 started just like about any other Monday for the Herring family. The family went to work and went about their lives, but out of the blue that evening, something strange starts to happen that doesn't really seem too odd at first, but definitely gets a little weirder as the night goes on. Mark Herring's two daughters get a cash-only pizza delivery to their homes made out in their dad's name. Again, it's, like, a little strange, but not super alarming because, like, they never ordered a pizza, but they shoo away the delivery driver and start texting their father, trying to figure out what's going on, but he never answers. They likely assume that it was just a misunderstanding of some kind, but then it happened again to both of them. And then again, after several of these deliveries, they decide to call their father's girlfriend and ask if everything was OK with her father. She says, no, everything is definitely not OK. She is in a cop car following an ambulance with Mark inside and they're on
1: the way to the hospital. So, OK, that's pretty, str- <laughs> it's pretty strange that you've got a, a random pizza delivery coming over and over again. So what so what happens?
0: What happens next? So 60-year-old Mark Herring is having a very normal evening at his home in Sumner County, Tennessee, just northeast of Nashville, when suddenly he hears sirens and they're coming right for his house. So confused, he walks outside onto the porch to see what's going on. That's when a SWAT team draws their guns, points them at Mark, and tells them that he needs to put his hands up and walk right toward them, and he cooperates. Well, he starts walking and offers to open the gate to walk through outside, but the SWAT team instructs him not to, and instead to climb over the gate. But Mark is like a big guy and not able to pull himself over the gate, so he's going to crawl underneath it, and the SWAT team says, okay, you can do that. But when he pulls himself under the gate, he gets up and immediately collapses. He's having a heart attack,
1: and Mark is immediately rushed to the hospital, mm. but dies shortly after. Wow. That's, um... <laughs> that that that's already putting yourself in a pickle right there, so mm-hmm. uh so why why was the SWAT team called?
0: Well, earlier that day, there was a nine one one call made out for Mark's address. The caller said that they were living in the home and that they had shot someone in the head there. The caller also threatened to set off pipe bombs at the front and back of the home if police came. So that's why police didn't want Mark opening the mm. gate because they were afraid
1: that that would trigger a possible explosion. Okay, so that makes a little bit more sense then. I mean, I'm, I'm just confused there the, as, as to why it would matter to not go through the gate or just, you know, let people in, things of that nature, but mm-hmm. to have to go under or go over something, I mean, that's, uh, you clearly know something's up right there. So, right. Okay, so how did all of this happen? Well,
0: to 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 really understand what happened to Mark, we have to go back years to the beginning of a popular social media website called Twitter. In an interview with the New York Times, Mark's three daughters remembered the last time they saw their father. It was about a month before he suddenly dropped dead. They all went to a Sunday dinner, which was hosted by their mother, Mark's ex-wife, who Mark still had a pretty good relationship with. They remembered their father as the smartest man they knew. He was a computer programmer for the state of Tennessee, like a real tech guy. He was so into technology that when Twitter first came out in 2006 and really changed the social media scene, Mark created a profile just a few months later. Being early on in the life of the website, Mark was able to choose a pretty unique Twitter handle. His daughters tell WKRN, the ABC affiliate in Nashville, that he chose the username at Tennessee because of his love for his
1: home state and also for the Tennessee Vols, the mascot for the University of Tennessee at Knoxville. Pretty standard name, I would say, right there. I mean, it's a Tennessee guy. I'm sure you're enjoying mm-hmm. the Tennessee Vols, and you know, especially uh, all the the success that has come with that uh, with that school and, and sports, right. things of that nature. So, pretty standard. Sounds like it's very. Um, very vanilla well and also too, like looking back from 2023 like i tried to
0: do like my name which i like feel like i have a pretty fairly unique name and i try to do like liam collins like like seven and it like makes me go all the way up to like 64 before (laughs) i get a number that actually like lets me take a make a handle right like you
1: know looking back like at tennessee like pretty desirable name i would guess so mark got pretty lucky there. yeah back then there was probably nothing that was uh that was stopping him for that thinking in 2006 now of right when i was on you know twitter or facebook and things of that nature and then we're talking back when i was in high school um mm-hmm. man you know you could pretty much come up with anything you wanted to at that point um right i, I man mark and like who knew <sighs> like what social media would become to, in
0: 2023 you know yeah like insane like you probably didn't even think twice about it um, But he, like, never really used the platform. I mean, Mark only tweeted from the account just 31 times total. But the account has about a 1,000 followers in 2023. Hmm. But just a few years later, after he created the account, Mark started to realize just how prime the digital real estate he created was. He started getting out of the blue phone calls from people wanting him to sell the handle to them. But he thought the requests were pretty silly. I mean, maybe he thought they were scams, so...
1: He just brushed them off and just totally ignored them and said, nope, not selling. Okay, this, okay, he's getting a little bit more interesting now. People will do, I mean, I, I understand, you know, people will do some crazy things for, uh, you know, in, in the name of, you know, business mm-hmm. and money and, you know, uh, exposure, you know, things of that nature. And uh, yeah, Mark, with, with something that's so basic, but is is branded almost probably in that part of the country. Yeah, that's a, that's a very interesting turn you've just taken there.
0: Yeah. And it's about to take even more turns, Trevor. So definitely refill your glass if you haven't already. So he was getting offers to buy the handle for three to $4,000. But it's not just that account. The FBI eventually wrote in their press release about this case that unique Twitter and Instagram handles can be sold for thousands of dollars each. And keep in mind, these are digital properties that can only be held by one person or one entity the accounts can either be sold under the table or on online marketplaces of sorts the guardian interviewed the creator of forum corner an online forum that lists legally obtained accounts for sale the brokers of sorts according to the guardian will offer specific handles a few bucks for accounts but if they're successful we'll turn it around and sell it for hundreds of dollars in profits Twitter, though, prohibits these sales in their terms of use policies. The website says explicitly that attempts to buy, sell, or solicit other forms of payment in exchange for usernames are also violations and may result in permanent account suspension. But that hasn't stopped these backdoor steals. In 2010, the state of Israel reportedly bought the handle at Israel for six figures. CNN allegedly employed the original owner of at CNNBRK as a consultant in exchange for
1: that handle, which is now the media company's breaking news account. So three to $4,000 for a sale of a Twitter handle is Mm. incredible. I mean, I wish I was creative enough as Mark was to just (laughs) come up with something so simple like that and get three to four thousand dollars off of it. Yeah. And in like 2006, like I was
0: thinking about like MySpace, which doesn't even use handles like (sighs) like Uh I was really slacking on that, huh? MySpace, man. Yeah. How the times have changed. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I could have been rolling in it if I, you know, worried less about my top three friends and worried more
1: about, you know, trying to get on Twitter and, you know, potentially making, you know, a couple thousand bucks on a couple of unique Twitter handles. So basically, so I mean, obviously, you know, this is, you know, you mentioned earlier, this is prohibited and these types of sales are prohibited, but obviously mm. that hasn't stopped anybody. And I'm, I'm sure this happens, right. you know, quite frequently, if not almost daily to some degree you know, Mm -hmm. even to this day. So Yeah, I would guess so.
0: Where does that lead us into now? Well, so yeah, there are these like legal transactions kind of out in the open, but there are also these intense broker deals that are done entirely in the dark and outside of the law. And Mark is about to find out that some of these buyers won't take no for an answer. So, Trevor, how is your Menage a Trois going down right
1: now? It's going down smooth. I mean, I, 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 it was the first mm-hmm. thing that I think I mentioned earlier was, uh, and and I probably should have mentioned this before that it might be dangerously smooth, <laughs> you know, yes. for, uh, for for people. I mean, you 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 might have a couple of glasses of these and think back later on, and, wow. I mean, I I may have overdone it. Definitely the kind of wine that you want to
0: like drink with, like I don't know, like your favorite podcast. Like just a thought. I like that seamless plug. I like that. Yeah, there you go. All right. Well, let's transition um, back into our story. What do you say, Trevor? I'm like really in the thick of it. I feel like right now.
1: I know it's you've taken a turn that I've uh, that I wasn't expected. and, And now I need more. Yeah. Well, so fast forwarding back to April
0: 27, 2020. That morning, Mark received another anonymous phone call. And then another phone call, another offer to buy his unique Twitter handle for thousands of dollars. Again, Mark shakes off the offer by the anonymous caller and declines it. He never reported ever feeling like threatened by the caller or afraid of their persistence at all. But later that day, when pizza and police start showing up to his home and also his daughter's home, the family realizes that things had escalated and escalated quickly. The persistent buyer had found Mark's information online, and they posted it on the social media app Discord. That's where another broker used that information to send those pizzas and call 911, claiming to be in Mark's home by saying that they had just shot someone. It's a process called swatting, a prank call to emergency services with the intention of sending a large number of armed officers and first responders to a specific address. It usually has the intention of pressuring or threatening a specific individual in a way that makes people feel less safe in the place they should feel the most safe, inside of their homes. They wanted to just put the pressure on Mark, but they ended up costing him his life before anyone could realize that this whole situation was just
1: one big hoax that's a scary you know situation to be put in right Mm -hmm. there and that's uh that is a very unsettling you know thing to have happen to you of uh you know because you because you personally know that that's not you know you didn't make this call you didn't order this or you didn't do this but to have it done over and over and over again right oh no yeah Yeah. that's that's extremely unsettling well
0: and so the the pizzas i was like at first i was like wait okay like pizzas like why is that but then i was thinking i was like okay if i just got started getting pizzas to my house and like like you know for whatever reason that connected back to these people who were like trying to get something out of me like the idea that they just like knew where i lived like that's unsettling in and of itself you know and so that was what like i was like at first i was like what pizzas and then i was like no like pete like getting these random pizza calls like that probably, you know, again, knowing what, what they probably kind of had an idea of,
1: you know, what was going on, you know, that's whew, that's pretty spooky. Right. One pizza, one call, mm-hmm. a simple mistake, right. an accident, something of that nature. Three, four, five of them or so, no. Something's no. up. Yeah, no, for sure. That's unsettling. Well, there's
0: actually a fascinating episode of a docu-series on Netflix about this um, you know, weird phenomenon too. It's called Web of Make Believe and it details how the practice became most popular on gaming streams. People would SWAT people's homes while they were live streaming on Twitch, a popular gaming platform, and then watch as police arrived
1: and arrest the gamer live on their streaming platform. <sighs> I'm sorry I don't mean to <laughs> I don't mean to break out laughing or or joking or anything like that no that's it's not so a joking matter, but yeah. it is it is it is scary mm-hmm. you know i don't I mean I don't know if you play games you know I play games and things of that nature mm-hmm. sometimes, and you know I mean people can get downright rude oh, yeah. and nasty and and i mean i I don't look into this kind of stuff too much, but I mean I've seen videos where people have found you know their area codes right. or their surnames or things of that nature <sighs> and have found all kinds of different information where they went to high school their you know obviously their addresses their parents name things i mean it what you can do now you know on the web or just in a in a game mm-hmm. on the internet is incredible the the, right. the the reaches you know goes so far but that's that's unfortunate that it's, you know people are using it in this kind of way yeah. and it's not surprising. Well, and I also
0: even saw too like so I guess part of the reason why it started as gaming platforms was like if one gamer I suppose was like doing super well or like maybe being a little bit more obnoxious, this this like other gamer would you know use the resort to this swatting call as a way to like get ahead, I guess, of the other right. person, and it was just very. Yeah, it's a really, I mean, it's, it's like one episode of like a large, like, um, you know, series. but I, uh, yeah, it's a weird, weird phenomenon. And there was even like one epi- like part of the, of that episode that I was telling you about, um, you know, where the police arrived and like, look, like talked right into the stream and was like, this isn't funny. Like you need to stop doing this. And it's crazy. It's crazy what people do, f- will do for a video game.
1: Right. And w- which is something that does not impact your life mm-hmm. at all. You know, this, on the other hand, this story, yeah, this could impact whoever's, you know, you know, is is going through with their lives. But I mean, a a video game of something so simple, simplistic and and innocent and honest. No, right.
0: Well, so police identified one of the people responsible for the swatting call at Mark's house as Shane Sonderman, who lived three and a half hours away at the time in Tennessee along the Arkansas border, but was a minor when Mark died. But this was not the first time he had done this. They tied him to Five other victims across the country going back to July of 2018. Some of those victims reported being harassed for as long as four years, but Mark was the only one who died. Police say he conspired with other people throughout the country and even overseas to create fake online accounts to find social media users with catchy names. They would have unpaid cash-only food delivered to victims' homes or report fires at the houses so firefighters would show up. It was all an effort to extort these people for their unique Instagram and Twitter handles so they could be sold to others for thousands of dollars. If they didn't agree right away, they would send threatening text messages and make threatening phone calls to the victims. In one case, callers went as far as to have their windows bricked and paid neighbors in Bitcoin to bully their victims. Police said Shane had victims in New York, Virginia, Michigan, and Oregon. In the case of the Oregon victim, Shane and his co-conspirators had sent emergency services to their parents' home in Ohio just two weeks before Mark had died. After firefighters showed up, Shane and his fellow broker sent text messages to their victims, saying, "Did your parents enjoy the firefighters? I plan on killing your parents next if you do not hand the username on Instagram over to me
1: now as if things couldn't get any more unsettling at that point, while you're telling me the story, you know, I'm wondering in my head, you know, if this would have ever happened to me or something like that, you know, what would I do? Mm-hmm. You know, how would I handle it? Things of that nature?" and yeah. You know, obviously, one of which would be to call the cops. You know, call the authorities. Mm-hmm. You know, things like that and and try to see if we can't, um, you know, you know, find out who's doing this stuff. And it it's it's almost as if in some cases that that doesn't even matter, right? It is it is that's a, it's a very scary situation right yeah. there for some of these victims that. You know, have to wake up and go through the next day wondering if their parents are going to yeah. be on the line of their families.
0: Yeah. And well, I mean, what, like, what can you do? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, if you, if you, like, you know, we hear all the time about how these like online cases are so hard to solve, right? Because right. they're, you know, these perpetrators are, you know, smart enough to use, you know, services that you can't track the IP address back to, like all these things, you know, you know, if you're, and if you're going to do this, like, you better, you know, go through the proper channels to make sure you're not caught. And so, It's, you know, it's almost like what, like, like I said, like, what can you do to try to solve it? Because even if you do go to somebody, like, it's probably just going to persist. They're probably not going to be able to find them. And then also, too, like, even if, like, even if, you know, you do, like, they probably are just going to pass it off to To somebody,
1: to one of their other co-conspirators, you know, and their other friends to do the same thing. Do If it gets to a serious situation like, you know, this is right here, do you even decide to do something about it? Mm -hmm. You know, if you do something about it or you make that phone call, what happens? And do these people actually wind up going through with their plan? Right. Or you know what they're or or do something worse.
0: Yeah, well, so Shane was eventually arrested by police in May of 2020. He was charged with wire fraud, conspiracy, interstate communication of threats, false information and hoaxes, and conspiracy. That's when he tells police that he did not do this all alone. Shane tells police that he was not the person who made that phone call. His alleged co-conspirator is a minor living in the United Kingdom, and he's the one who made the call. Now, this does match up to what police know about the situation, because police say the person who made that initial call to police that sent SWAT teams to Mark's home had a British accent. Because he was a minor, though, he was not extradited to the United States to be tried for his apparent involvement. Instead, Shane was the only person who was tried for the fake call that ultimately led to Mark's death. In March of the next year, Shane accepts a plea deal under the terms that all of the charges except for the conspiracy charge were dropped. Shane's lawyers asked the judge for mercy, saying Shane was young and inexperienced, and his lawyers say Shane had a complicated and unstable home life growing up his family has a history of severe mental illnesses and his father had committed suicide
1: just two weeks before his eighteenth birthday very heavy very heavy there mm-hmm. so I, I I was I was gonna ask while you were saying that you know where did this play into Shane being a minor as well because the other you know co-conspirator there being a minor not being extradited things of that nature. You know, how does this play out for Shane, who was a minor as well? Yeah, I was kind of confused about that because, like, they, you know, very... I was confused about, like, his,
0: his like, age timeline, I suppose, because right before... I don't know, I guess I was confused because if it was two weeks before his 18th birthday and this is, like, his, um, his you know, his lawyer's big excuse that, like, you know, that this was the reason why he did this, then, like, did this all happen, like, within that two-week period, like, before he was officially an adult. right i guess if he was 17 then like maybe i guess under this charge
1: they probably would have been able to try him as an adult in tennessee well no, I mean, that's I mean, a good point but i mean i think um i mean i, I understand what shane's lawyers are, are trying to do here but i think their point is moot just because doesn't this go back for shane uh for her you mentioned earlier about some victims mentioned they were harassed for four years right. or so. So I mean, wouldn't that yeah. put him around 13 right. years old? I mean,
0: yeah. Well, and so, so just to be clear, I guess, you know, at the, the victims, um, you know, collectively in terms of like the group of people he was working with. So not necessarily saying that like Shane had direct involvement in any of these, in any of those people. Um, but just that, you know, he was involved with a group of people who, and that group of people were tied back yeah, to yeah. those, um, six victims, and going back to four years before good point. um i think specifically with shane if i remember correctly i think it went back to july of 2018 yes july of 2018 is when it is when his specific involvement goes back to so i guess he would have been like 15 so at 15 the then,
1: yeah. yeah so 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 still still good point and still and still moot from the lawyers mm-hmm. there though i mean right it, that that is a very heavy you know a uh, thing to go through and, and, and emotional for sure but at the same time mm-hmm. this was this is has a track record now of uh, of you doing right. it. this is not just with you know Mark or anything like that
0: right and like long before like his dad had unfortunately tried you know tried right the past. so ultimately the judge gives Shane some credit for accepting responsibilities for his actions wow. but the judge sides with the state and issues a stiffer punishment for him Shane is sentenced to sixty months in prison or five years including access to mental health treatment and also restricted access to the internet.
1: I wonder more about what the what the restriction for the internet access is. Um, you know what that is that, is that a parole? uh type of uh well no i think kind of what
0: i read into that part um was because you know there are you know a lot of jails these days especially i think if you this is a federal case so this is federal prison um i think a lot of a lot of prisoners these days do have access to ipads and that kind of thing um they do now yeah yeah. so i think um you know when restricted access to the internet i guess meaning yeah i don't i mean i don't know i don't know what what kind of access you know the average inmate has to the internet like what kind of websites they can access. Um, I'm assuming it's really just, you know, things to download, like, you know, books and TV shows and that kind of thing. Um, so I don't really, yeah, I don't really know what the restricted access would look like
1: for him, but I'm sure it means, you know, you can't access, you know, the, you know. Social medias and things that, right, right. Yeah, right. like
0: nothing you can write anything right. in, you know.
1: Do you remember exactly. back uh, around here in Onslow County in Eastern North Carolina that they had done that with um, the jail in Onslow? And how much of a, a, mm-hmm. a, a, a you know, a, a, a uproar that was. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, you know, it was meant no, for books that. and for music and things like that. But now I have seen a couple mm-hmm. years after that where, you know, inmates have access to social media and, and Facebook and Instagram yeah. and things of that nature. And it's not become what they mm-hmm. intended it to be. Yeah. And I think it's
0: really important to note here, like these websites that these, that these people were accessing were not, you know, your traditional... You know, websites. And right. I just think, you know, you know, when I think of, you know, restricted access, like I remember back in high school, like we weren't allowed to access like Facebook, Twitter, that kind of stuff. But there were always websites that we found like as right. students that, you know, administrators didn't think of. And I'm sure I'm sure there are websites that like a lot of people. You know, don't think of that, you know, are constantly being populated to post whatever the heck you want, you know, like, you know, in these deep, dark corners of the of the of the Internet.
1: Ebombsworld.com, I think. Do you remember that one, by chance? I do not. I don't think Am I, I aging myself with that? <laughs> am I, am I... <laughs> a little bit. Oh, man. Yeah, that was that was one that was uh, I'm trying to think of a, a website now that that might have been YouTube before YouTube. Quite honestly, Uh, it had videos, it had memes, Mm. it had pictures, it had all kinds of things on there, Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Well, that's pretty much how
0: things stood for Shane. He had apparently been released on bond shortly after he was indicted, but it was revoked just a month later when he violated the terms of his bond by, you guessed it, harassing even more people for their social media handles again. Shane is still serving out the remainder of his sentence, though. But the incident shed a light on the dangerous prank. Incidents of swatting have skyrocketed over the last decade, up to more than a thousand incidents a year according to the Anti-Definition League. It's a practice affecting average people, but also people of notability. U.S. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene had multiple incidents last year at her home in Georgia. Wow. David Hogg, a survivor of the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School mass shooting, has also been a victim. In 2018, a caller suggested that there was an intruder hit in his home with a gun, causing a SWAT team to respond to the house. The prank can also cost police department as much as $100,000 for just one call, but 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 it can also be deadly. In December of 2017, a gamer was swatted during a game of Call of Duty. When officers showed up, he went outside to see what was going on and was immediately shot and killed by police officers. Back to January of 2015, a caller claimed a man in Oklahoma was going to set off a bomb at a local preschool. A SWAT team responded by breaking down his door, who thought someone was trying to break in. So he responded by firing shots at officers and shooting one officer in the chest, who luckily survived since he was wearing a bulletproof vest. It's led to a call for better legislation around the incidents. Massachusetts Congresswoman Catherine Clark introduced the Swatting Hoax Act of 2015, which would have strengthened punishments for perpetrators and required swatting calls to be logged separately by the FBI and local police departments. But shortly after she introduced the bill, Representative Clark became a victim of swatting herself. So here's how you can avoid becoming a victim of swatting. Don't share your personal information online. That includes sharing your address or phone number, but also just avoid putting photos of your home up online at all. You can also strengthen security online by turning on two-factor authentication to prevent hacking. That way, you'll know for sure if someone is trying to access your accounts
1: and therefore your personal information. I'm glad you mentioned the the two-factor verification system because that was something that even a couple of years ago, you know, obviously, well, I guess with the timeline of this story, you know, it was not, it was not around a lot. And so that mm-hmm. was something that needed to change just with, with anything, you know, whether it be, you know, email or social media or right. your phones, right. you know, things of that nature. And, um, and it has changed the way that I've looked at the world for sure. On top mm-hmm. of, you know, what you had mentioned earlier about, you know, sharing personal information online, you know, um, very telling, very, you know, information that mm-hmm. gives away, you know, things that you think is just so innocent. Right. And myself as a father and a husband, this is something that I've had to think of now that my children are going off to school and starting, you know, grade school, that you don't put that kind of stuff out there. You know, right. last names, first names, ages, you know, likes, dislikes, things. There's a big board that you see, you know, parents do when they have their first day of school and last day of school. And, uh, and, and officers and law enforcement tell you not to do that stuff because this is mm-hmm. a perfect example of how, you know, swatters can use that information against you. And, uh, yeah. and it, it, it makes it almost too easy, you know, for them down in the, uh, you know, when, when it comes down to it.
0: Yeah. And I never really saw how they were able to access Mark's personal information. Um, but I mean, like you said, it's so like these, they are so creative these, these days, you know what I mean? And so like you posting, like you buying a new house and like posting a picture in front of your new house. How exciting. And all of a sudden they can find you mm-hmm. and figure out exactly where you live. And that's a way for them to prey on you. You know, it's just it's just crazy how like people who do these kinds of things are, you know, getting more and
1: more creative every single day. Well, think about it back then, too. You know, when, when you know, Twitter first started up and, you know, uh, you know, Facebook was getting big and stuff like that. I mean, none of this was known. So people were just flooding the Internet and social media with anything that they wanted to tell, you know, their, their neighbors or their friends or their colleagues. I mean, it, you could have found it in one click. You know, back then. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I, for Mark, you know, in his case, unfortunately, I, I don't know if that was the case, and I don't know if he, you know, presented his personal information out there. But I would imagine if it was an average everyday American, then he most he most right. likely did, as as I did. Maybe you probably mm-hmm. did too. You know, things. like oh, that. Yeah. I mean, we all did. You know, until we started yeah. to learn of you know things like this and uh, you know swatting and uh, uh, is it doxing? Is that another one that um, uh, 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 oh. online harassing? you're using words I never heard of before. So, I mean, there's an episode on doxing. I don't even know what that is. There's another one that it's, if I'm saying it wrong, I might might be saying it wrong too, but it's something along the lines of swatting as well, um, Mm. where you're harassing on social media and and things like that. And I mean, it gets really personal for people out there that, you know, that have bad intentions, you know, that have, you know, very ill intentions and you know, you can't really trust a lot of people, unfortunately, these days.
0: While well, I did just Google doxing, um, the action or process of searching for and publishing private or identifying information about a particular individual on the Internet, typically with malicious intent. That's kind of. So, I mean, yeah, that's pretty much that's pretty much exactly where we're going with it. So, yes, it sounds like maybe, you know, finding um you know, finding information about somebody and just like putting it out there for
1: lots of different types of people to see. That sounds, that's definitely related here. It's, yes, that, that was, um, I remember uh, a couple of things around here that that had happened with, and that was focused on more private information, you know, mm-hmm. whether it be photos, videos, you know, again, stuff about your kids, things of that nature. And right. uh, and it was done so maliciously. It was done so as a, you know, a, a way to like, you know, get money or, um, you know, mm. have somebody do something for them or, you know, blackmail. Oh, right, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, again, just crazy what people will come up with for a few bucks. You know what I mean? It is. It is. So, Money is tight these days. I mean, we, you know, we talk about inflation and we talk about, uh, you, know, uh, you know, the economy and, and, and hiring. And, you know, it's. Uh, I know I'm personally going through some of that stuff myself with, with trying to, uh, to get good people into work. And I know there are some good people out there. But, man, there are, there are better ways than crime.
0: Yeah, such as, like, I don't know, like, drinking just, like, a glass of wine, like, with a friend. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I'm, th- I'm so. glad you picked up where I was leaving off on there. <laughs> yeah, I there you go. Up. I saw that's where you're going with it. I just, like, you know, I just I just went with it. <laughs> so, well, that is all that we have for you this week, Trevor. Thank you so much for coming on. It was such a great time catching up with you and chatting about this, you know, weird case. Weird, 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 weird case.
1: I know. I, I, I was wondering... You know, I've tried to keep it as genuine as I can. I mean, I know we could have, you know, looked into it a little bit more and I could have asked you. But Mm -hmm. no, I mean, I I enjoy these kinds of, you know, discussions and and, and finding out more about it. My wife is the same way, loves crime documentaries, loves any kind of Mm -hmm. TV show with crime. She can't get enough of it. I'm the same way. You and and I working together, you know, how many, you know, crime stories and, you know, coverage we go through and some of the stuff that we've seen around here. While it is our job, you know, at that time, it is, you know interesting and it does make you think right yeah well your wife sounds like the kind of you know my kind of lady so we're <laughs> just like you want to just like chat about a crime doc i'm s- so here for it there's so many podcasts she listens to i'm gonna put her on this <laughs> one by the way just so you know and uh <laughs> yeah, she Go, loves love them. that
0: well i hope she at least listens to your episode because like if not whoo you know what i mean we're gonna get on her for that one <laughs> well, tell everyone where they can find you and your work online.
1: Oh, fantastic. Yes, yeah. So, I mean, specifically, we're actually getting new websites coming, uh, you know, in the next few weeks or so. Um, okay. You know, but the, the, the links don't change. They, they won't change at all. So there's still going to be, you know, in NewBurn, it'll be newburnsj.com. It will be jdnews.com in Jacksonville. And then it is Kinston.com in Kinston. And again, that's the, the Kinston Free Press. That is the Jacksonville Daily News or the Daily News. And that is the New Sun Journal. Um, you know, Obviously, you can pick up a copy of any of those papers at you know your local gas stations. Uh, obviously, if you're a subscriber, you can find us you know online on the website, on social media, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, you can also find us on your, uh, uh, your smart device where you can download uh, Apple Store or Google Store, Google Play, and, uh, and download our applications that way and, um, you know, sign up for our newsletters and get them in the mail as well uh, in your email. So, tons of ways, tons of ways to get your local news around here in eastern North Carolina. Well, and I know you you contribute to all of those, um, to all those newspapers, too, um, and you're
0: also a huge, like I think you mentioned a couple times throughout the episode, huge crime reporter, um, so if you have a cold case in North Carolina that just needs a little bit of a push um, to get off the ground, you know, needs a little bit more eyes on it, you know, you now you know how to reach Trevor, so that way you can get you know a little bit more attention to a story that you think needs a little bit more love.
1: Absolutely, and I know you and I have talked about Bit about some cases as well, and mm-hmm. um, and there are there are some cold cases around here that will so be uh, that will be bringing up, and that's just not even in, you know Jacksonville, Newburn, or or Kinston, but you know even around the state uh, you know as well. I mean, people mm-hmm. you know their loved ones they need to have some kind of you know resolve and resolution into these cases. So anyway, yeah. anyway that we can help. Well, that's why we're here, so appreciate you saying that, Trevor, because that's really what
0: it's all about, is the people who love these people and deserve a little bit more attention, so that way they can rest a little bit easier at night knowing, you know, what happened. That's right. So, 100%. Well, thank you again so much for coming on and thank you all so much for listening. We are going to put all of our sources on our website so you can read everything for yourself and probably come up with a few theories too. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram and we will see you next week for another episode of Crime Over Wine.